Hallelujah. No power. There's no power like the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. It's in his name and faith in his name that made that man strong in Acts chapter 3. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes. We're thankful for the stripes that were laid upon the back of Jesus. We're thankful that Jesus went to hell for us. Yes. We're thankful that Jesus rose three days later, taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Thank you. We're thankful that Jesus was then risen up and seated at the right hand of the Father, and he took his blood and he poured it on the mercy seat, and he sat down on that mercy seat. So we're thankful. We're thankful. Thank you, Father. We're thankful. We're thankful. Thank you. Thank you. We're thankful. We're thankful. Even when we haven't been faithful, you still are faithful. Yes. Even we made wrong choices and wrong decisions, you're still there to accept us. And we're thankful. We're thankful for, for your mercies. We're thankful that your mercies are new every morning. Thank we thank you. We stand here tonight knowing that we have new mercy. Thank you. We're thankful. We're thankful. Mm. Thank you, Father. We're thankful that you have not withheld one thing from us. Thank yes. you that you have, that we are sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Yes. Thank you that we can all do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you. Thank you that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for the hope of glory. Thank you, Father, that you are, you, you began a work in us and you will complete that work that you started in us. We're thankful. We're thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. You are 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 faithful. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. Just with heads bowed and hands lifted. The word tells us to think on things that are good. Yes. The word tells us to think on things that are lovely. It goes on and says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Yes. But before that, he says, the peace of God, that when you're anxious and full of anxiety, he says, cast every care. And the God of peace would surround us. Mm. 
And how do we stay in that place of peace when we think on things that are good? Oh, his faithfulness. When you think on things that are lovely, oh, his faithfulness. Yes. We have something to praise him about tonight. He's faithful. I don't know where, what you're walking through tonight, but when you feel discouraged, just say this out of, out, of, out of your mouth, out of your heart. Just say, Lord, I know you're faithful. Not just in this moment here tonight, but you get an unexpected report. You have symptoms in your body, things happening within your family. You just lift your head and say, I know you're faithful. Yes, yes. I know you're faithful. I know you're faithful. I know you're faithful. I know you're faithful, Lord. Yes. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Just can't get away from that. You just need to know how faithful he really is. Sometimes we, have, we try to figure it all out when all he wants to do is just trust him. See, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. How, how can I stay in that place of trust? I'm looking towards his faithfulness. Psalm says, the Psalm 30, uh, 34 says, feed, feed on his faithfulness. That means think about it, meditate on it contemplate it. He's faithful. He's faithful. Mm. Can you just pray for the person on your left and your right? Just place your hand on their shoulder. Just pray over them. Pray in, in the spirit or pray in your understanding. Hallelujah. You're faithful. You don't know what they came in here with, but I believe Hallelujah, where one can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. That where the enemy has come against them one way, we command that the enemy flees from their thinking, their thought life. Hallelujah. We come against depressive thoughts. We come against suicidal thoughts. We come against addictive thoughts. We come against thoughts of anger. We come against thoughts of insecurity. We come against thoughts of oppression. We command that you bow to the name of Jesus. We declare that they will no longer meditate on the things that the enemy and the voice of the enemy, but they will meditate on the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord is saying right now that he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we stand in the gap for one another. Hallelujah. That they don't have to be strong in within themselves. But, Lord, it tells us to, to stand in the gap with one another. To stand in that gap and, and lift them up and encourage them. Hallelujah. We thank you that the love of God is in this place. And I thank you that the love of God, hallelujah, ministers to every heart and strengthens every heart right now. That they know that they're loved by you. That they're called by you. Thank you that you're not finished with them. That they are not a disappointment, but they're valuable in the eyes of your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That they are great men. Great men. Young men. Experienced men. They're great men in this room. Called to do great things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
And they will not see themselves less than what your word says they are. Hallelujah. They are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, as the word comes forth tonight. And everything that takes place, then I thank you, the anointing will break every yoke and remove every burden. As the word comes forth, it, it, that we will, have, we will have ears to hear, and we will have eyes to see, and we have heart to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to each one of us. Hallelujah. Thank you. The word that comes forth will not fall to the ground, but it will go forth and produce a hundredfold. It will, it will bring forth a harvest in their lives. That what will be said tonight will come from the heart of the Father. Hallelujah. And it will minister to every person exactly the way they need to receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, give him a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God is good. Amen. Turn to someone. Give them a high five. Tim, good to see them tonight. Hallelujah. Welcome out to Wednesday night. It's a little bit different than we normally do Wednesdays, and it's good to have uh, the youth with us and the youth leaders give our, give our youth a hand. It's good to see, have them tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. You know, I, the word says, give honor to whom honors do, and um, he, he doesn't know I'm going to have him come up, but... Uh, you know, I, I want to honor faithfulness. Um, you know, this is, man, I've been, here, I've been here in Texas and been a, connected to this ministry since 1999. So it's 25 years. Uh, and, um, and I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of, uh, and, 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 you know, God transitions people. There's not, there, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not offended by that. That's not, <laughs> I don't do this to please people. Um, but, uh, but I, I want to honor faithfulness. And so there's a gentleman here, his name's Tony Haygood. And so Tony, come on up. And, um, and he, you know, he, he spent time working. I, I don't know if you went there that long, but I know you were, you were serving at least 35 years or and thir- 35 years at Calvary and um, serving Pastor Bob Nichols. And, and I'm telling you, that's, I mean, that's honorable. 35 years serving, you know, a man of God and, and hearing his story. Um, it's, uh, we were like, wow, we have similar stories, uh, similar stories. It's like, I didn't come here for a position. Um, you know, I came here and was uh, cutting grass, cleaning toilets, uh, doing whatever needed to be done. And uh, that was just the, the nature of what, what, what was in my heart, just to serve the house. And so it's always good to, 
to see someone else, um, you know, uh, serve the house that has your same heart in the house. You know, now he's, uh, when, now Mercy Culture is, is Calvary and that transition and, and Lord transitioned about actually before that transition happened. And uh, the Lord hooked him up with uh, Jason McKay, which we all know Jason. He was our associate pastor for a number of years. And we launched him and a team of people out uh, 10 years ago, maybe now, or uh, actually. This Sunday, 11. we're celebrating nine. Nine. Okay. So he, it was a year before, so about 10 years. And so he is uh, Jason's right-hand man. And, and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, so he's still, when J- we sent Jason out, you know, I told him about, um, the Bible says that unless you purge a tree, it doesn't burn, bear much fruit. I, did, I didn't say, I, I said that from the standpoint of Jason didn't need to be purged because he, he, was, he wasn't causing growth. But the thing is, is there's also things like trees with crepe myrtles where, where you, cut off a, you can cut off a limb and you can plant it and you, it can grow and flourish in another area. So, so Jason and I are still connected. And so I just want you to just give Tony a hand and, and things of faithfulness and whatever's in your heart. Well, it's just great to be here. I've been talking off and on with Pastor Justin and just uh, trying to make my way down here. You know, uh, as a pastor, we need pastoring too. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to be involved. We need to not always be up doing it. We need to listen to. And uh, it's just been good to finally get down here and hear the Word of God. I try to do that anywhere and everywhere I can, as often as I can. But... uh, it was, uh, it was a joy uh, serving with Pastor Bob Nichols there for, for those years and learned a lot. You know, you learn a lot in a few decades, but uh, a lot of people come, a lot of people go. But I'm very thankful for the experience of all of that and all the ministries and things like that. And I'll tell you, one of the, one of the key things, a key factor is thankfulness and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to explain the power of just being thankful. A thankful heart, a heart that really has gratitude, genuine gratitude. It's hard to find these days because it's the opposite of selfishness. And, uh, of course, our whole society teaches us so greatly to focus on self. It's all about you. It's what you want. It's where you want to go. It's what you're doing. They even call them selfies, you know. I mean, it's, it's all self. But that's not what the Lord says. The Lord, the Lord puts a great, uh, a, a great power in returning thanks and gratitude back to him for what he has done. The focus needs to be on him and not just on us. So uh, those are just, you know, we could talk forever. I got to be careful because preachers preach. So Thank you for the opportunity to even say hello. My wife is not here tonight, but uh, she's, she's shuttling our children around town still after school activities and all that. We, we have uh, seven children and just had our, amen, and, and just had our ninth grandchild. So I'm experiencing what grandfatherhood, is that how you say it? Grandfatherhood? I don't know. So we're just thank, we're very thankful for the, the gifts that God's uh, given us and our children and grandchildren. What a joy. And thank God we get to send those grandkids home. That's awesome. So thank you again. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Amen. Tony, amen. You know, I, I look, uh, look around this room and I see faces of faithfulness. Yeah. You know, Jeff back there, Steve Peterson. I mean, I'm going to mention all your names, but Justin, I mean, the, the years and uh, Vic. You know, Vic saw this church in the dream. 
you know, and, and he, he walked in the back, and he said, that's, that's the church I saw in my dream. <laughs> you know, Danny, uh, you know, Danny was in Atlanta, Georgia, and asleep, and he wakes up and he goes, that's it, Herod your faith. And he's like, she, so his wife's going, Herod your faith, what's Herod your faith? And he goes, that's where we're supposed to go to church. And he looked online and he saw the church was in Texas. <laughs> The next day, they drove from Atlanta to, to, uh, to Fort Worth for Wednesday night service. Drove back, drove back the next day, and, to, and the Lord said, this is where they're supposed to be, and uh, the rest is history, and little did we know that he ended up being our worship leader eight years later, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, just, just looking around, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Danny, I mean, Danny was here when the church started and actually was the, the junior high pastor. Uh, back when it first started in 2000. So thank you for your service, Danny. And, you know, so, you know, so just, just amazing, uh, just God's faithfulness. So, uh, Tim, any, any word yet? Not yet? Not yet? Okay, all right. Just still, if you didn't know it, they're expecting a baby any, any day, any day. So it'd be their number four. So, amen, we speak strength over her and that the baby will come at the right time. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> I guess it was about a year ago, my, uh, my wife said, you need to go get your eyes checked. And I said, I can see fine. <laughs> and she goes, and then my arms didn't get long enough. <laughs> and, she, and so, 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 she, so I, I finally, you know, you know, listened to your wife, you know, like I would never go to a doctor. I would never do anything unless my wife made, uh, okay, Justin, I'm going to make you the appointment to do this. And, you know, I don't need a doctor, you know, and let's see, you're going. And, uh, and so, so anyway, so I went to eye doctor and, and I did all the tests and he said, he goes, wow, you got 20-20 vision. And, and, and he goes, yeah, but you have, he goes, you have 20-20 vision for a 50-year-old. <laughs> and so, so anyway, so if it just things look a lot smaller than they used to and a little more blurry, but uh, <laughs> yeah. See, the issue is I had, had these glasses and they were like too strong. And then so it's like I could see the paper, but I couldn't see anybody. So I'm going like, uh, so anyway. So I still need to get the right ones. Um, but as I get in this, before I read Luke chapter uh, 15, I woke up this morning and I had some other things that I thought I was going to be ministering tonight, but I woke up this morning and uh, now I wasn't alive when the show was on, um, but I saw reruns. So if anyone was born and was lived in the 60s and watched television, do you remember a show, My Three Sons? My Three Sons. <laughs> I saw the reruns, so, uh, and it was better live. And so, so, for, so when I woke, when I woke up, it was like, that's, that's what I heard. And I was just laying there, you know, my alarm had gone off. I had hit snooze twice already. Um, just, just laying there, just kind of meditating on what, what the Lord wanted to say tonight. And I was actually starting to think on what I thought I was going to minister on and just praying there as I was laying in bed, praying in the spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit and. And, um, but I, I was just playing, he goes, my three sons, my three sons. Okay. My three sons. I'm like, Lord. And then, so then he, he just started talking to me about some things and, and, uh, it's not, I'm not gonna be able to get into uh, everything he shared with me in that, but I'm going to, I'm going to deal with the, the, the first part of what I, the assignment for tonight. And, um, and so I was like, my three sons. And he shared with, shared some things with me. 
And so that's what this message is coming out of on what he deposited in my heart. You know my favorite scripture? Does anybody know what it is? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, for the first three years of pastoring, I, I used that scripture every service because, it's, because it's, it was really what changed my life. It got me, it, it, it's what I saw restoration in my life. It's what, um, what I held on to when, when my world was shaking. And, um, and, and, I, and I know I'm supposed to, this isn't dealing with necessarily the my three sons part, but that, not just the scripture, but the understanding of Jeremiah 29. Most of we pull that scripture out in a, in a way that, that looks great on a calendar. It looks great on a, you know, a mouse pad. It's, it is great for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of plans of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. But when the Lord said, I want you to dig into really what does that say and what does it mean to you now? And, and as I got in reading that chapter, you have to understand what, what he, that statement that he was saying was really a rebuke to the prophets and the ministers of Israel. It was a rebuke. It was a letter. He, he told Jeremiah at the beginning, he goes, I want you to write these words down and I want you to tell them everything that I'm going to say, say to you because if we're not careful, we'll allow the voice of the enemy to take us off the path that God has for us. Because what everyone was prophesying, what the prophets were prophesying was that they were going to be in bondage forever. See, that's the voice of the enemy. The voice of the enemy may come to you and say, you'll never change. You'll be like this forever. The voice of the enemy may come and, and say, yeah, you did it again. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, yeah that, that's, that's, that's the way you always do things. And that's how you, you always lie. You always do this. You always fail. You always come up short. See, that, that's no different than, than sometimes we can be the biggest prophet. We sh- really should be the biggest prophets of our life as long as we're prophesying what the word of God is saying. But the enemy will come to you and speak things to you that aren't God, isn't God's will. The enemy, so that's what the, that's what the prophets were coming. You're going to be in bondage forever, and th- you're going to be bound to them, and this is going to be horrible, and, and your lives are going to be in destruction always, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And God said, no, I didn't say that. So I want to speak to the voice that's been speaking to you that what the enemy has tried to hinder you with, I command that voice to cease and desist in your life. You are not what the enemy says you are. You are what God says you are. And you're like, well, pastor, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying what my actions have been. No, no. The thing is, is you need to renew your mind to what God says you, who God says you are. And so this came out of the fact that God told Jeremiah, I want you to tell them this. He goes, yeah, you're going to be in bondage, but it's only going to be 70 years. And he said, but even while you're in bondage, I love this. He goes, he goes, you're going to have children. He tells them that you're going to, you're going to have families. You're going to, uh, your, your children are going to marry. You're going to have kids. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. You're going to abound. And I love this. He goes, you won't even be diminished. Why? Because I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of plans of peace and not evil to give you hope and a final outcome. I want you to know that God has thoughts about you that are contrary to the voice of the enemy that's trying to bring you down. 
or keep you in a place of bondage. Hallelujah. He has plans for you. He has thoughts about you. Hallelujah. My three sons, like I said, didn't have to do with the my three sons part, but I needed to sow that into our hearts. My three sons. Now in Luke chapter 15, man, amazing illustrations in this chapter. And if we start off reading here in Luke 15, 1, it says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying... So Jesus, this whole thing that he's talking, to, talking about that, that's gonna, that will unfold here is really a rebuke to religious people complaining about Jesus. Really not complaining about Jesus, but complaining the fact that sinners and tax collectors were listening to Jesus. So Jesus has three audiences here. He has tax collectors. Who are tax collectors in this time? They were Jewish people that <laughs> the Romans didn't like them and the Jews didn't like them because they were tax collectors. If you ever saw, you know, the first season of Chosen and you see, you see Matthew, remember that? That's, that's a tax collector. He was a tax collector. His family disowned him. So then you have sinners and then you have the religious crowd. So everything Jesus is saying is based on the reality of, of, of communicating to these three groups of people. And really, these three people, as we unfold this, really come down to, to some of the sons we're going to be talking about. Now, the first thing he does dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and what he talks about, he, he brings up a, an aspect of a man that has a hundred sheep. And he talks about he has these, these, she, these hundred sheep and one is lost. And it says that the shepherd leaves the 99 to go get the one. So in this first part of, the, of what Jesus is communicating, he talks about the value of a soul. He's talking about the value of you, 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 and you. All of us. He's talking about the value of humanity. And the weight that the father has and the weight that the shepherd has on who we are to him. So remember, Jesus only said what he heard the father say. And everything Jesus did was to demonstrate the character of the father. John 17, 26 says, I came to make your very name known to them. Meaning, I came to make your character known. Colossians 1 says, says Jesus, is the, Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the express image of the glory of God. So if we want to know the character and the nature of God, we have to look at Jesus. Not one of us can say as Christians and believers, we should ever say, well, we don't know what God can do. We don't know what God would do. No, just let's look at what Jesus did in these situations and these scenarios. Then he talks about a woman and says this woman had 10 coins and she loses a coin and it says she sweeps her house 
She goes and tells everyone about it to help her find this coin that is lost. It's interesting that Jesus gets, as he's telling this story, he gets the community involved in what's taking place. It's a great picture of a church, right? That there's people that are lost outside this house. There's, there's lost sheep. There's people that have, are backslidden that they were part of a sheep. They were part of the sheepfold, but they're not a part of the sheepfold anymore. You know, and he says, but he rejoices over those. And so, so that they, they, she lights a candle. She sweeps the house. She's doing everything. Meaning, meaning this coin is important to her. Some scholars believe that this represented her inheritance it represented a dowry. It represented her, her family that was before her. So it was more than just losing a penny. You know, we'll walk by pennies and they don't mean a thing. It wasn't, it wasn't that type of thing. It, this was a coin that was something that represented sentimental value and something that really would hinder her fulfilling what she was called to do. So Jesus is talking about the value of a soul, how valuable you are to him and the steps that this woman would go to retrieve the lost coin. It's like the father, isn't it? All the steps he took to retrieve you and me, we are the most valuable thing. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a, a phrase in Isaiah 60, I believe it is, and, and it talks about arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It talks about gross darkness will be upon the people and it says son will be brought from by far and daughters will be nursed at thy side. And it says the wealth of the Dead Sea. Isaiah, uh, other places in Isaiah talk about the Dead Sea. If you look at the sea in, in, in Revelations and, and you look at the sea in, in different aspects of, of things, and it always refers to people. So when we talk about the wealth of something, the wealth of the kingdom of God is not streets of gold, is not anything that we would consider material, but it's you and me. Man, that's value. And that's how you and I need to see how valuable we really are. And even though you, you may continue on a cycle of, of wanting to pursue God and not pursuing God and, and you're here today and you're, and you're gone the next and you're back and all these things, it doesn't, none of that, none of that changes how valuable you are to him. So let's look at, say, my three sons. Let's look at verse 11. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let me, let me read verse 10. Just, just throw this out there. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Wow. Man, I think that's something we can take for granted too often. Some, to, to how valuable his mercy is. Verse 11, then he said, <clears throat> it's all part of the same thing that he's speaking to these people that are present. He says, a certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Wow. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his, wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word prodigal, a lot of people have an idea and a picture of prodigal, but really the word prodigal just means wasteful. So he, he was a, a prodigal son, is not just a son that's lost, but how did he get lost? It was because he was wasteful. Someone that's wasteful doesn't see value in the present. They don't see value in what they currently have. Sometimes if we look at our finances, and I was guilty of this, that, that uh, it seemed like I didn't have enough money at times, but the issue wasn't that God wasn't providing enough. The issue, I wasn't a good steward of what I had. I was just wanting God to bring more provisions. Oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me more provisions, give me more provisions. When all he was wanting to do is stop being wasteful and you always have enough margin. Now, that's not in my notes. That's just a little rabbit trail. So he, this wasteful living. Now, you have to understand, we, we see things from a United States of America, Texas, understanding uh, when we read things. But when you see things from, from written at, from an ancient language and you understand that Jesus was Jewish, that's a great re revelation. Jesus was Jewish. Yeah. The people he's talking to were either, were either heathen or they were Jewish, right? So he's speaking to them on things that they would understand and telling them stories that would resonate with them. And you ever hear a story and, and you almost kind of get, lack of a better term, ticked off? As a, man, I can't believe they would do something like that. Can you believe that they would, I can't, you, you almost want to fight for them as they're telling you the story and what someone did to you. And so that's kind of like, I, I believe Jesus, because they wouldn't understand what's happening here and what he's communicating. First of all, having this understanding that a younger son would go to a father and ask for his inheritance before the father would die actually is saying, it would actually be my son, Bren, saying to me, you no longer exist in my life. If Bren, in that time, if a son would come and ask for the inheritance, it's saying, saying you know, you're no longer my father because you're considering him as dead. That's strong. So he gathers all that he has and it says he devoured in riotous living, wasteful living. Not many days after, verse 13, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. Now, the famine didn't cause him to be broke. He was broke before the famine. Right. 
he, I just, let's, we, we can't take for granted the things that God has done in our life yesterday and the things he's doing in our life right now and the things that he wants to do tomorrow. This first son is all about taking for granted the things he should honor. How often do we not honor relationships? I, I remember years ago, um, I have amazing parents, and I'm grateful for that. I mean, they, they, had, they made mistakes, and just like any parent does as you're learning and growing, but uh, amazing parents serve God, love God. Where was I going with that? And, and knowing I had these amazing parents, thank you, Lord. And they, they helped me through so many things. And I, I remember, oh man, 10 years ago, he goes, your parents have sown much into you. He goes, have you ever thought about honoring them financially? Well, not really. Wow. And, and, he, and the Lord took me to Matthew chapter 15. And I was like reading it and you know, you know the scripture, it says that you, you make the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. And I, I, I would throw that scripture out a lot. I mean, I was pastoring 10 years ago, so I, I preached on this scripture, but not really taking account the context of it. Because what they would do is the people, what they would do when it came to honoring their mother and their father, they would say, they would say uh, oh, this, this gift is chorazin, meaning, meaning it is set apart for the Lord. And so the, 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 actually the command was honor your mother and your father. And they're saying, well, we don't need to honor our mother and father financially because what I, what I, what I have is set aside for the Lord. And I was like, oh, wow. And it just went off on the inside of me. And the Lord said, you need to start honoring your parents financially. You need to start sowing into them and giving to them and honoring them. Now, Brent, I'm not saying that to you for you to <laughs> start giving me money. That's not the point. The point is, is saying, how many things do we really take for granted in our lives? How often do we take tomorrow for granted? When I first moved here, and uh, man, in 1999, and I, I couldn't find a job, and, but yet I was volunteering. And the Lord said, you have trusted in your paycheck for far too long. You need to learn how to trust me. So I went 10 months living by faith with no job. I was, trust me, I was working. I was volunteering 80 hours a week, either at EMIC or at Jerryville Ministries, doing whatever needed to be done. But somehow, somehow, God took care of me. And I, and I say that because I say take for granted our paycheck because, because here I, at, at 23, 23 years old in 1994, 95, 96, what, somebody calculate that. What is 75 or $80,000 a year in 1994? 
Someone look that up. What, what would that be in today's economy? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, so I just want to... About 125,000, 23 years old, no college education. I was blessed. But at the same time, I had $28,000 of credit card debt. I had a $500 a month car payment. I mean, I had things. I had a two-story house on an acre and a half of land at 23, 24 years old. No college education. I'm not, that's not an excuse to don't, get, don't go get educated. <laughs> but I was taking for granted my paycheck. I wasn't planning to share any of this, but, but the point is, how do we, we may take granted our, our friendships, take for granted our pastors, our leaders, I'm not saying you're taking granted for me. I'm just saying, I did it. I did it. And I went to this, I've only, look, I've only been, since I got born again, I've only been to three churches. Since 1993, I've only been, 1993, I've only been to three churches my entire life. Not that I didn't visit other churches, but was my, this is my church. And, and, but at even going there, it's like I took for granted how often my pastor studied. I took for granted just the time they would devote and the things that they would do. Take for granted, how about our wives? Take for granted our children. Take for granted that, that they're just gonna be there forever or they're gonna, that, the thing, that, that time doesn't change. And also the next thing you know, it's like time went by. And you know, they say people on their deathbed aren't gonna say, I wish I'd bought this or I wish I bought that. No, I wish I spent more time. I look back and it's like, you know, I see my, I see my family. I see my, my parents. I see average of once a year since 1999. And it's like, wow, I miss them. They understand my, the call of my life. They understand that I'm here and, and all that. And we work things out and meet them in different places when we can. And they, don't, they, they understand. But the point is, it's like, wow, I... And, you know, my dad's, my dad's is, is, is just about 80. And, and it's like, I, like, man, I wish I had to go back and get the time to play golf with him. Or, you know, I wish I could get some of that time back. Or wish I had that. And it's, and it's like, wow. And so, so I have to look at things with that mentality because I don't want to miss later. I don't want to take for granted the things that God placed in my life right now for, for I don't want to sleep the day away. I don't want to, I don't want to, just consume myself on things that aren't eternal and, and that leave me short, that leave me just hanging and, and having the wrong friends that won't take me higher. And, and I remember Edwin Lewis Cole would say, if you keep hanging out with the same friends, you're going to just keep hanging. <laughs> and and I, I don't want those types of relationships in my life. I want things that are stable. I want things that are strong. I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, I don't want other people to, to not be able to rely on me and my emotional stability. I don't want to be up one day and down the next and who, wow, what kind of pastor are we going to come into today? What, what kind of husband is this going to be? What, what kind of father? Is this? No, I, I want people to know that my life is founded on something and grounded on something. But if, in order for that to happen is I've got to leave each moment and each day with intentionality. And so you had this one son that was given everything and yet he wasted it. We don't know what the time frame was. But yet he considered his father. 
as nothing. There, there was a ritual that they would do, and it was called a kazaa. And what they would do is actually it wasn't just the father, but it would be the entire community would come out when the father would do this, when they would say, yeah, you're, you're considering your father dead. They would take this, this precious jar, pottery, and they would take it and they would smash it at the boy's feet. And it was called a kazaa, and it meant a cutting off. And it means that this, it's not just cut off from the father, but you're cut off from the entire community. So this was the decision that this young man was making, that he wanted to walk away from everything for something temporary? Lord, help me not to waste my time, my life, my money on things that are just temporary. It's not that you don't, we save for vacations. We, we take that. We, we have things that we set up where, where we, we do those things because it's important for us to invest in those things. But the thing is, I'm not gonna do those things at the expense of, of not being able to pay my bills and other things. Definitely did not plan on saying some of this, but... We're going higher, right? We're progressing, we're advancing, right? 2024, we're progressing, advancing, experiencing promotion, and going to experience our highest expectation being fulfilled. Hallelujah. Verse 15 says, then he went, and this is after he's broke and he's in the famine, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. It wasn't his own country. It was really Gentile people. And Jews and Gentiles don't get along. <clears throat> I mean, the Gentiles called them dogs. So the Jews called the Gentiles dogs and vice versa. They had names for each other. He went and jo joined himself to a citizen of that country and, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now that takes the cake. Jewish people that can't even eat pork... You're going to have a Jewish young man go in and now take care of the pigs. Man, you've really hit rock bottom. And there's some other things we could say here, but hallelujah, to feed the swine. And it said he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. So here he is serving and working for this citizen of this country that's not his country. He's now a foreigner in probably a society in a town where he wasted all his, all his money in. The famine's there, and now he's working, feeding swine, and he's, the only thing he can eat is the same thing that the, the pigs are eating. And it said no one would give him anything. It was a famine. The world cannot be our source. Verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And yet I perish with hunger. You know, it's interesting that did the famine hit his father's house? Because the father represents a covenant family. Remember, while there was the curses in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. 
it's just right next to each other, but yet everything's pitch dark, but yet where God's people are, there's light. Where the plagues were happening and the sickness was happening in Egypt, it wasn't happening in Goshen. So if you want to hang out with the pigs, then you experience the effects of what's happening in the famine. But when you hang out in the kingdom of God, you get the results of what the kingdom of God can produce. The world can only give you what the world can give you. Don't expect, don't expect something fruitful from a society that can't give you anything that's going to give you lasting peace. But he came to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Now he goes, I will arise and go to my father's house and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I kind of get a picture of this, that he's walking back to his father's, where his father lives, and he's kind of rehearsing. Do you ever go for a job interview? It's like, you're kind of rehearsing this. Now, if he says this, I'll say this. If he does that, if he's not there, then I'll say this. And if I just say this, I want to say that he was sincere. I want to say his heart was sincere, but... I don't really know. He just wanted his stomach filled. And maybe he wasn't sincere at first. That, that you know, I just, I just want something to eat and I'll just be a hired servant. But yet when he saw the response of his father, I believe it really floored him. What does it say? Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 20 says, and he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That was the father's response. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. So he said what he had rehearsed. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe Put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatty calf here and kill it. Hallelujah. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. See that? This my son was dead. Because that statement that he said, it wasn't just the son being, the the, the father being dead to the son, but it was also the son being dead to the father. And he was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. See, it's amazing to understand what the father did. The father called his servants. See, he, he said, well, I'll just be okay if I'm just a servant. No, the father called the servants and said, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on him, and put shoes on his feet. What does that represent to us? It represents covenant. Put a ring on his finger. That represented authority. See, it was a signet ring. It was a ring that, that represented the family's name. Put a ring on his family that way. And see, with that, that's how they could buy and sell things, by that signet ring. Well, you know whose father I am, whose son I am? So that ring put him back into the family. That ring put him back into a place of authority. Put a robe on him. That represented identity. That, that represented righteousness. Put shoes on his feet. You know, slaves or, or servants weren't given shoes. They were barefoot. But yet if you had shoes, it means you, 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 you were part of a family. You were part of a family. You had sonship. 
And so this is what the Father did. I need to hurry up here. Hallelujah. This was unprecedented favor. But we see a second son. Say second son. Second son. Verse 25 says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came, he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your, brothers have come, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Remember who is Jesus talking to? Tax collectors, sinners, and religious people. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Whoa, he came, the father came out? So he answered and said to the father, lo, these many years I have served you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat and I might marry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes home who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And I just a side note, he, the father gave him his livelihood, but yet the father's still not broke. The father split everything he had, but yet still wasn't missing anything. Isn't that interesting? So there's two things here. One, we see, if we look at the first son, the father went out to meet him, ran to meet him. See, that, that wouldn't happen in a Jewish culture. You know, that just doesn't happen. A, a, a Jewish father, if you were over the age of 41, you wouldn't run. You wouldn't run because you'd have to pick up your tunic. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. So, so here he is in front of his whole community. He's disgracing himself again by running after the, other, the first son. But also with the second son, for the father to come out to him because the older son, if you go look Jewish history and you look at what a Jewish party was, the oldest son was responsible for inviting, it was greeting all the guests. So when the oldest son refused to come in and stay in, he was dishonoring the father. Just as much as the, the younger son was dishonoring the father by leaving, the younger son was dishonoring the father by staying out and not taking his position in his place at the party. Let me make this statement. The father came to one son because the son felt unrighteous. And the father came out to the other son because he was religious. The father said, all that I have is yours, meaning you have always had a right to all that I have. Feeling unrighteous and being religious hinders you from receiving the relentless love of God. See, he's dealing with both. He's dealing with the unrighteous and he's dealing with the religious. And both of them will keep you from receiving the fullness that God has for us. So we've talked about two sons in the story, but I want us to see the other son that's in the story. The other son is the one telling the story. The son is telling the story, and I believe the one telling the story is the servant. And the father said to his servant, Jesus was the father's servant. So I believe Jesus is the third son, the son of God. And the father tells the servant, Jesus said, he goes, I didn't come to be served, but I came, I, I, didn't, I didn't come to, uh, I, he goes, I came to serve. I didn't come to receive, but I came to serve. And so I believe Jesus is the son 
that represents putting a ring, putting a robe, and putting shoes on us. My three sons. We're not to be like the unrighteous. And we're not to be like the religious. We're to be the righteous. And the servant, it's interesting, the servant is the one who was in possession of what gave the sons their identity. Let me say that again. The father's not the one that had the ring, the robe, or the shoes. It was the servant. And the father didn't say, I'll put this on his finger. I'll put this robe on. No, the servant was to put the ring on the finger, the robe on him, and the shoes on his feet. So the third son, my three sons, are we going to be the unrighteous? Are we going to be the religious? Or are we going to be the righteous? Let me close with these couple thoughts. John 1. <clears throat> John 1, I'll close with these two. John 1 and Romans 8. It's one of those messages where I just kind of have to stop. I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> we'll have next time. John 1. Because, <clears throat> man, we could talk, I could talk about the righteousness of God. <clears throat> John 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Talking of Jesus. And the world did not know him. Talking about Jesus. He came to his own. Talking about Jesus. And his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Now, the King James says this. To them he gave the right, the privilege, the right, the privilege to become sons of God. Comma, to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Meaning we do not become sons of God because you were born into it. You don't become a son of God because you willed it in yourself. Nor did, did a, the will of man make it happen, but God made it happen. But as many as received Jesus, to them, have you received Jesus? Yes. To them, he gave them the right, the privilege, the power to become sons of God. And it says, and to those who believe in his name. Do you believe in his name? Wow, then we're sons. You're not unrighteous. When you accepted Jesus, you received a ring on your finger. You received a robe of righteousness. And you received shoes on your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Romans 8, I'll close with this. You're receiving something. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Sake of time, let's look at verse 16. It says, The Spirit of Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, or you could say sons of God. 
So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons of God. And if we're sons, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ. Indeed, we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation, now get this, earnestly waits, earnestly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. I'm telling you, the earth, creation, is waiting for the sons of God to manifest. In order for us to be the sons of God that manifest, we can't be unrighteous and we can't be religious. We have to be righteous. Because in being righteous, I'm a son of God. And the world is waiting for me to step in to my identity as a son. So my three sons, we can either be the unrighteous, we could be the religious, or we could be the son. The righteous son. Hallelujah. The servant. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And I thank you for the word tonight has been sown into good ground. And I thank you that, that long after night, the Holy, Holy Ghost, I put you on assignment to take things that were said and pricked in, in our hearts tonight. Yes. Lord, and you would take it and you would bring it to our remembrance. Holy Spirit, use the word that we heard tonight to correct us, to fine tune, tune us, to inspire us, to infuse encouragement into us. Lord, I declare that, that every single person here and that will listen to this message later, I declare that they are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I declare that they're the sons of God and I declare that they are manifesting, manifesting the sonship in the earth. Lord, I just thank you for a settled confidence that they wouldn't hear the voice and receive the voice of the enemy. But because it's because of you, the righteous, not because of what they've done, but it's because of what you've done. And I thank you that as they meditate on who they are and they meditate on the fact that they're sons of God, it will change their actions. It will change their choices. That as they have a fresh revelation that they are righteous, they will start making decisions, decisions that lead them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. <clears throat> that as they're tempted to give in to sin or give in to the temptations of the enemy, Holy Spirit, I commission you to rise up on the inside of them and they'll be able to say, I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And that they will renew their minds to who they are. Thank you, Father, for what you deposit in us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You receive this tonight? Yes, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. God is good. Mm. Hallelujah. Well, I'll share some more on this topic the next time we do a men's thing, as the Lord directs. Um, thank you for coming out tonight. Did you receive something? Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
just sense the Holy Spirit spoke some things to us tonight, just what we needed to hear.